Welcome to God and Company, a podcast produced by the Youth Ministry Office of St. Anne Church. The title God and Company was inspired by the scripture verse from the 18th chapter in the Gospel of Matthew, verse 20, which reads, Wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I am there in their midst. My name is Jim Solta. I'm the coordinator of youth ministry at St. Anne's. Today, we are recording this episode through Zoom, and I'm joined by my co-host, Stacy Sarmiento, and three very special guests. Hi, Stace. How are you doing? Good, Jim, and I'm really excited about today's episode. Uh, this is the second episode of our alumni series titled Once in St. Anne Youth Ministry, Always a Part of St. Anne Youth Ministry, where alumni have the opportunity to share their own experiences and stories of being a part of the youth ministry program. Today, we are joined by Tina Poses, Alfred Alapio Hoxson, and Jeffy Alicante, and we'll go ahead and let them introduce themselves. Hi, this is Jeffy. Jeffy, tell us a little bit more about yourself. <laughs> um, let's see, I'm a Filipino male. Um, been part of the program for pretty much for a while. Um, I'm glad to be part of this podcast and looking mm. forward to future renditions of this podcast. And thank you again, Jim and Stacy, for this opportunity to express our faith. Thanks, Jim and Stacy, for having us. Uh, my name is Tina Posas. I am the youth minister at St. Joseph in Pinal, um, and grew up at St. Anne, um, very much involved in the program. Um, I'm really happy to be here. It's great to be among great people from the parish. Hi, I'm Alfred Oipi Hoxon. Uh, I've been involved with St. Anne's Youth Ministry for 36 years. Oh my gosh, uh, minus years away for uh, undergrad and grad school. Um, and even in those years when I was in college, I got to staff the confirmation retreat. Uh, I had the privilege of doing that. Um, and I've been teaching confirmation for 20, out of the last 22 years. Wow, so look, uh, looking, I have the advantage of looking at the screen and I, including Stacy, I'm looking at an incredible wealth of experience of youth ministry. Um, you know, this is easily over a hundred years of youth ministry experience. So I think that blessing of that is that, um, and the unique part of this episode is that Tina and Jeffy and Alfred were a part of our very first peer ministry group called Discipleship. And throughout the years, that group has evolved into you know, another organization, we changed the name to Team, and then we changed the name to Emmaus, uh, which is currently, you know, the name of the peer ministry group now. But I think that, again, the unique part is that each of you were a part of the very first group. And so you bring a, a special knowledge and experience with you that you can offer and share with our audience. Yeah, so let's go ahead and get started with our discussion. And Starting off, um, what was your experience like when you first began in the program and throughout your years being involved? Uh, for me, um, I got invited by an old friend. Um, back when, you know, this was not the youth ministry was not in, in my, in part of my head. I was doing, I was what, playing basketball for St. Anne. Um, and sports was one of the things that was mostly involved in, even through high school, um, until one of my old um, teammates invited me to come to um, what is still now called, what we used to do it, banana night. Um, and I can remember still those banana nights still going through those halls. Once I got invited to this, you know, to be part of this interaction with people, it was, it was still kind of new because I'd had nothing to do with faith. I was just too busy doing, doing, getting sports, you know, thinking, okay, what am I going to do? You know, church, once I got out of CCD after eighth grade, that was it. That was done for me. So until I got invited to participate in Banana Night, uh, that's when my, the whole look around of the space sharing with other young people and learning more came into play. I think for me, um, my, my parents, 
especially my mom always made sure I was enrolled in CCD every year, um, probably first grade, I'll assume, and all the way up to eighth grade. Um, well, I was fortunate to have Jim as my eighth grade CCD teacher. Um, <laughs> you know, and that was fun in itself. I mean, we met, we were still having classes at the old camp, so in a little portable uh, building next to the old church. Um, so I think for me, it was my parents saw it as important that I continue my faith involvement. So youth ministry and confirmation, you know, they definitely saw um, having me receive the sacrament of confirmation was very important. Um, and then, you know, eventually being invited to be a part of Emmaus. Uh, for me, um, I remember at the time, I, I was in eighth grade. Uh, I've been a sacristan for a while at the church, so I was setting up for mass um, every Sunday or every other Sunday. And I'd been an um, altar server for a while at that point. And um, I forget if it was during a mass um, or if it was in between masses, but um, I remember Jim invited me to his office to, to chat. And um, I hadn't really talked with Jim very much up until that point, And I didn't know what it was about. Um, <laughs> I don't remember exactly what he said, but he said something along the lines of, I'm starting a peer ministry group. And I'm wondering if you'd like to be a part of it um, and the internal dialogue in my head was, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, okay, I guess. Um, and because uh, I wasn't in eighth grade CCD and I hadn't been to any youth ministry meetings up to that point. So I was really flying blind into it. And I was just really trusting that this is going to end up, this ends up better than anything I could have imagined then. So I appreciate that now as Jim invites people um, to join this ministry to come and see and, and it's definitely something that I felt uh, in that moment um, that I was invited. Yeah, I, I, well, I appreciate that. Um, I think the key word, and I've mentioned this in, in previous episodes, is that one of the things that's always been important to me and that we've carried on throughout the years is the whole idea of invitation that um, to be able to feel included uh, is meaning, you know, when you invite someone, it means you're wanted. Um, more importantly, not just saying you have to go, but we want you to be here. And it even goes, I, I'll date myself on, on remembering the opening song from the, from the comedy Cheers, you know, where everybody knows your name. So but I, I think the other thing too, and, and Alfred, you you mentioned it well that you weren't really sure what we were going to be doing. And I think the model that I came in with was the whole idea of, it was a retreat program called Search, uh, Search for Christian Maturity that was started through the Archdiocese of San Francisco. But the idea with, on that retreat model was that it was run by young people. It wasn't by a priest who lectured to everybody who was sitting there trying not to fall asleep, but it was run by young people with the idea that young people that were at the retreat could identify more with their peers rather than with you know, adults. So that was always the thing in the back of my mind was to form a group of young people who would be um, able to reach out and touch and identify and be willing to share their faith with with their with their peers. So in starting that, and, and we were starting from ground zero, laying the foundation, for each of you, were there any struggles you dealt with while in the program, either with you know, obstacles of school, sports, clubs, you know, how and how did you deal with that? Uh, for me, um... The one struggle I got to, I mean, it bet it went I it went really quick because it was um, it was part of my senior year. Um, I actually was getting confirmed at the same time. It was very rare because I know we had we we structured a program where we do it sophomore year, but for some reason because I I got to be confirmed during my senior year, um, we were doing. Um, we were getting ready for retreat and it was during in December. Um, but prior to that, um, I was in a, 
involved in school called leadership. Um, we had our little retreat and we did a retreat in uh, our leadership retreat was down in um, San Bernardino County. We took a road trip for one week, went to this um, boys and girls club down near San Dimas. Um, through there, um, it was our, most of us there were seniors. Got involved, was starting to figure out, okay, senior year. All of a sudden, and then I wasn't looking for it, was starting to get involved with a relationship. Um, so we, it was slow until we got to retreat time. And that was the first time that we were going to be apart for one weekend. I got away from weekend, came back, no more relationship. Um, it was, it was all of a sudden I was, I mean, I was like, man, why, if I didn't go on this retreat, none of this would have happened. Um, but through that, you know, it was, to me, it was, maybe it wasn't meant to be, but through the, everything else, we still became, till this day, we're still good friends. I even coached their son in basketball. So, I mean, I take that as a, a lesson learned, good struggle, and still keeping the faith. I think being a little older than Alfred and Jesse, it's hard to remember back um, if there's any struggles. Um, but like generally, I mean, the big thing is I was in color guard um, and school. So, you know, I had to balance those. I, I remember struggling. But I always saw going to youth ministry and going to confirmation. I preferred that over studying for school. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I tried. And in thinking back when, or thinking back to how many of my friends were in youth ministry or confirmation, I think it was opposite for me than what it is like for young people now that go to Logan. I don't remember having a lot of friends who were my close friends who were also in band and in church. And so for me, it was, I remember, you know, there are times like, you do what? Where are you going? What's retreat? What's confirmation? What's youth group? Which was, it was called back then. And so I felt, you know, there were times where I had to explain myself or I didn't want to mention it um, because I just didn't want to, you know, face the question. So those were the struggles for me. Um, for me, um... And I think uh, Jim and Michaela talked about it at the last podcast. My my experience was sort of similar to their struggles, where uh, for me it's about my being shy and feeling like I didn't belong, especially in those early years. Um, uh, like now, most people were from Logan High School, some were from Rowe um, at that time, and uh, I was the only one from American High School. Um, so everyone else seemed very familiar to each other. They either knew each other from school or from uh, activities. Um, it felt like everyone else was someone else's cousin, but I couldn't tell. Like uh, they, everyone just seemed close. It was like you guys cousin. It it kind of didn't matter whether they were or not. And then you know, there's there's the three or four people who sat next to each other since elementary school because their last names happen to be the you know all in the A's and stuff like that. So that's what I had to walk into. You know, all these shared experiences that all these other people had, uh, and I was already shy to begin with. And so. Uh, I had to learn to live with that shyness and uh, kind of overcome it. Um, and so to go from that shyness to leading icebreakers, uh, really at the, by the time I was a senior, I think we had 70 people in the youth ministry. So uh, I remember seeing some of those, the room filled with, with young people and um, really appreciating at the time, by the time I was a senior, like, oh my gosh, like I just led that group. And that was pretty cool. And it was really a big step for me to go from being uh, freshman to being a senior like that um, but uh, just to step back a little bit like to talk people through what it was like in those early years of youth ministry um, we didn't have the social hall so we were in the back uh, you could think of the church as being built to be like a multi-use room where if you look in the church and you go there you'll see these tracks in the in the floor and those those tracks were for dividers and so we used to divide up the back half of the church, we'd have to stack up all the chairs, uh, run our youth ministry meeting. Uh, sometimes we do breakout groups like in the church or in the vestibule. Um, and so that's where we had our activities. And those first meetings, I think the first one uh, where I had to lead in September after going on retreat in July or August was 
think there might have been seven of us as peer ministers, and there might have been about the same number of youth. It was one to one, and um, it was. I'm not sure if I felt this point at the time, but it, it didn't take long for it to grow. I'm pretty sure uh, by the second year we had 40 people per night, and then definitely by the time I was a senior, it was 70. And so this group grew, and it grew grew quick, and it was a, it was a great thing to to be a part of. I think that's part of the value of of how you just explained that is how the program did grow, but also how the our where we met grew as well. You know, I mean, even going back from the back of the church currently, we were in the old church where we met almost around the altar up in the sanctuary area and um that was all new. That was all new to this parish. Um, you know, I, I'd done youth ministry in the city and, you know, did, did the stuff up at St. Helena that, at the retreat house. But this, this was all kind of brand new and it, and it seemed like everybody was open to it and, and, and it was ripe and it was ready to grow. And so all it took was, you know, that first peer ministry group to be excited about it and then to move forward. Um, and thank God all of you did, <laughs> it, you know, and then it just continued to grow. Yeah, I think um, when Alfred was sharing about having meetings in the back part of the church, mm -hmm. I actually had youth ministry in there too. So it, it brought me back to, whoa, like I'm, I'm able to like relate to the, to you guys as well. Um, but then I also remember feeling shy and like not knowing how to uh, take what youth ministry was going to be and like the whole experience. Um, so I was kind of replaying some of what I was going through as I was preparing to go um, to the Monday night meetings. And all I really knew was my mom was telling me, oh, you have to do this to get confirmed. And I was like, okay. Um, but you know, if it weren't for that, like, I don't know what my faith would have grown to be. Mm -hmm. And I would say like, as transitioning into our next question, how did your experience and involvement in the program, um, have an impact on you as a person and, and your faith or your relationship with God? Um, as for me, as Alfred said, you know, it grew and I know Jim's when he started graph, he, he didn't know what's going he said it was right going through going through it didn't know how how far it was going to go until now well um, i do remember those halls i remember we would uh, put the, the the what do you call those the sections get away from the wall put it against the track and then having you know 70 people make a circle and then try to talk in the hall you know doing all all our all our activities now in that back hall instead of now in the social hall. Um, I do um, remember that I was still, I, I wasn't shy as far as talking. It's just a matter of exactly what my purpose was. You know, yes, I had, you know, some of the people I knew that were my friends that I knew through high school, from school, but you know, what exactly is going, you know, where is this going for, you know, confirmation, really didn't know exactly what the confirmation was. You know, we did have confirmation class. Um, that's a totally different experience from now, but it was an experience. And for me, it was what, what's going to go from here? What am I going to be experiencing here? What's, you know, doing these little small talks, um, everyone here gathered in little circles, talking, um, from now till then, yeah, as, as I said, I've never seen it grow to what it is now. And I know it's going to still continue. Um, there's so many people that was been part involved that are still involved, but not too involved. Like they're like the shadow. They're like the gatekeepers. They're like off to the side, ready to get tagged in, to go in and take a part and participate. And that's the one thing that I like. It's no one, as you said, it's everyone as part of it will still always be part of it. You'll get into whenever you need your faith to be found again, we're right there. So the, the I'm glad that this program was here 
I know it's still continuing to grow. So I, I, I was just amazed at how much it's grown till now. I think one of the things I remember is how the group grew in size and how more people that I knew um, would go through the program as students. And so being able to lead, you know, uh, younger friends um, that I knew through school or through band or color guard or different things to watch them go through and go, I hope they like this because I do, you know, will they get it? Will they grow in their faith? And just being able to lead retreats and, um, you know, having those good times. Um, you know, we did confirmation retreats. We did, I don't remember if we did retreats retreat back then, but we did eighth grade retreats. And so to see people that I was starting to get to know, and then they would, you know, be good friends or they'd go through confirmation. You know, it was a joy to see them and watch them grow in faith. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to see cousins go through the program, and then eventually later on, my sister, um, who became um, very involved too. And, you know, that was really fun to share that with her, share our faith, um, and all the different things we got to do being in youth ministry, being in confirmation, being in Emmaus together. Um, that meant a lot. You know, I think just being around people who, uh, Emmaus and youth ministry, such a positive environment and so being able to um, do all that drew everybody together it was a good place a positive place to be um you know i had friends at school but i also had all my friends my group of friends grew at st Anne's, and that's where i felt safe secure, and accepted um because my faith was important to me uh, and they understood that um you know we got to go through, you know, we went through good stuff and fun stuff there were challenging times too and you know, it taught me um, the people that I could turn to when something happened. You know, like if there were friends would pass away or we'd have a tough time, you know, I'd have a tough time at school. Um, I knew, you know, going to talking to Jim or talking to my friends at St. Anne's, that was, that was always there. When I share my brown bag on retreat, I usually end it by saying I wouldn't be the person I am today without youth ministry and confirmation in Emmaus. And it's it's really true. I I wouldn't have gotten to grad school in Seattle at UW and met my wife um, if I didn't go to Cal and do all the experiences I had there. And I wouldn't have gotten to Cal, I'm sure, if I didn't become a peer leader, peer minister at St. Anne's. Um, so there's so much in my life that I'm thankful for, and it all really started uh, because of Jim's invitation that, that one day in his office, um, and I'm really thankful for that. Um, and, you know, after um, all this, I've been honored and fortunate to witness God's work through my fellow confirmation teachers, Emmaus, youth ministry, my former confirmation students, uh, one of whom is hosting this podcast. Uh, <laughs> Um, I've been really blessed just to see all the stuff that's grown. I've seen um, Rock the Night pop up and be an, an incredible showcase for the talent that's at St. Anne's. Uh, Youth Mass is an, an incredible experience where I get to witness um, what I feel like heaven's going to be like someday, you know, just an intimate group of people. Uh, shared by bond and a love and song. Uh, it's, I've just been really blessed. Um, I've been blessed after being married and having my whole family involved in liturgy these days. Um, my dad is a deacon when he's in town. Um, my son lectors. My daughter is an altar server slash lector. My, I am a Eucharistic minister and lector. My wife is in music ministry. Eucharist minister, lector, and now she's picked up becoming a live stream tech. Uh, so, um, and then I've also been blessed in that my son and daughter uh, were or are in Emmaus. And I'm not sure if I'm the first Emmaus alumni to have kids in Emmaus. Uh, I hope I'm, I really hope I'm not the last. So uh, I hope there's many more to come. Uh, but it's been, it's been a wonderful thing to just witness uh, all these blessings that come through youth ministry and youth ministry has been a home for me. I know um, even more than me, I know that there are people around St. Anne's who 
stop by Jim's office and just chat with Jim because they know that they have someone they can talk to you and uh, often in moments when they're struggling. So, so thank you for that. Yeah, I, I well, thank you for saying that. Uh, thank you all. Um, the one of the things I share with people all the time is to say you never know what blessing is going to come through the door each and every day. And there, there's really no way to prepare for that, but just to be open to that. And I, I think that that openness is what I've heard from each of you about being willing to say yes to an invitation that you didn't know what, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Okay. Um, but how that yes, not only added to the peer ministry program, but it encouraged other young people who saw each of you doing what you're doing and that inspired them to do the same thing. And, and then that just becomes almost like the snow, a snowball effect. You know, I, I've always thought that the, the biggest, if I was going to say PR for the, for the Emmaus program is to watch what young people do and, and to tell them there are young people out there that are seeing you do what you're doing and want to do what you're doing. And they just need to be encouraged. And that's, you know, and, and I, I think part of the thing, and, and we say, we remember, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't realize that we were making memories. We just knew we were having fun at the time. And, um, but those memories have become part of that journey of faith for each of us. So, you know, and, and I think the biggest thing that caught on was that faith was more than just memorizing the 10 commandments and faith was more than just all this memorization, but it was more about relational and, and finding out that, you know, Jesus was a real person and here's this guy that you know he had struggles himself but um, he also had faith in the father and that's what we're called to do so one of the unique aspects for as I mentioned at the beginning was that each of you began the program in the first year of the peer ministry program if if you looked at it now, what would you say are some of the similarities or differences in the program when you were involved versus how it is now? I can go first. Um, I mean, I was thinking that um, definitely one of the things is that we started small um, those mm -hmm. first years and we didn't have the structure that I'm seeing now um, where uh, I think for one thing, because I was in the first group, I was going to youth ministry and I was having to lead the groups that, so I didn't know what I was leading necessarily. Whereas uh, now you can't join Emmaus until after you're, you've been through youth ministry the first year. So um, I could tell just by what I'm seeing and by um, other people who've spoken on the podcast before that definitely having the advantage of um, seeing what peer ministers do, what see what Emmaus leaders do and then wanting to become part of that it's just a lot easier to to sign up and to know what you might be getting into um uh i'm seeing also that adult emmaus or college emmaus depending what name it goes by is definitely something that's also more structured and has more of a role or uh, more maybe a more defined role where that didn't really exist before mm -hmm. and so definitely in seeing how they play a role and sort of being really facilitators of this i mean Emmaus is how many people now? That I mean, at one point there were like seventy people who went on. Yeah, the I, I think we're at about fifty-four. Right, and it's still large. I mean, that's a really big group to to have to coordinate. And um, so, yeah, I mean, just the size again. Uh, just going back to that, the first group was like nine of us, and then eighteen of us, and then maybe forty, and then I think we we hovered at the forty-ish mark for a while, especially those years I was I was away in college. So. Um, but then on top of that, um, yeah, we were trying a lot, of, a lot of stuff and figuring out what works those first years. And I think, um, you know, now it's a pretty well 
uh, managed group. And I know every year is different and every, there's always an improvement. Uh, there's always something to change and do differently. And it's, it's, it's an awesome thing to watch. Well, I, I agree with you, Alfred. We did a lot of trial by error. <laughs> one of my favorite icebreakers, and I don't know if we do it still, is the one we sort of barred from spring training. Remember that one? Oh, with the bat? Yeah, with the bat and yeah. the relay where you'd run to the bat and you'd spin around it. You'd put your forehead down on the bat, but that would be standing up on the, you'd be holding it vertically Aiken, with one end on the ground and uh, run around and try not to fall coming back and do the relay. Right. Yeah. I remember we did that out in front of church, but we had to put people on the sidewalk to prevent people yep. from from running into the street. So there's a safety there too. <laughs> Some people collapsed into the, thankfully into the grass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I think what I see St. Anne's doing now, you know, it's like what Alfred said, the group has grown so much in size, but I mean, that's youth ministry and Emmaus and confirmation. And so there's so much more interest there and there's so much more involvement and inspiration. Um, you know, when we were in Emmaus, there wasn't youth staff yet and there wasn't rock the night um we didn't do service projects or going to serve at St. Anthony um but it was all about you know inviting young people to be in youth ministry and prepare them for you know help help make them excited about confirmation and being in youth ministry and about their faith um you know and watching this size of the group you know from the seven to 20 to 30 and 40 and probably 80 by the time I left, um, you know, and again, building friendships in that, um, you know, we weren't, we didn't have to be involved in liturgy then, um, but maybe there were times where the youth were asked to participate in mass, so we got to do lectures, or that's all I remember, <laughs> maybe there was a choir, or would they be invited to sing in choir? You know, I, I remember a couple episodes, or times where, and I, and I guess I want to intersperse this. I want to give a lot of credit to Mario. Yeah. Um, because Father Mario really helped develop the program. I mean, beyond the times where, where we would sit down and just map things out. But, you know, that whole idea of young people um, being able to connect with in a very positive way, a relational aspect with with one of the priests of the parish was very healthy for the program. And I remember two instances that we did. Um, one was, a, I think we did a mime, we did a mime Easter service. Yes. And then we did, Father Mario did a puppet show up on, right in front of the altar. And I remember the young people were involved in that. Um, and. Both of those, I, I think, called into the idea that young people can be a part of something and not just the idea that, oh, they're the future of the church, you know, that, you know, that that's something that makes them a part of it right now. So I, I, I want to give credit to Father Mario and Father Harry, who were both very instrumental in making sure that young people were a part of things. That reminded me, too, of how we used to do Stations of the Cross stations play you know that would take a lot of rehearsal and practice and focusing on the story of the stations but yet you know in practices we would enjoy ourselves and have fun and you know grow in our friendships um yeah and i think you know the other part was in in terms of being involved in emmaus there wasn't because we were so small there wasn't a young adult group and then the younger people um, you know, there was a time where, you know, Jim asked me to help him coordinate the peer ministry group. And I remember on my own creating the little rotations and coming up with the reflections and the small group um, and trying to think, you know, what we could do for Christmas parties and things like that. Um, you know, that was fun. I, I totally loved it. I mean, you know, it, it was in my wheelhouse <laughs> to really you know, help and take charge of that. I really enjoy. Um, for me, the the only the similarities are usually, and I'm not going to get into it because there's still some that have not gone through is retreat. 
but there's aspects of the retreat where there's similarities but different interpretations um, because of this large group we have new people coming in with their own ideas and interpretation and they take from the old and revamp it to fit what this new uh, the, the people of the young people today how they can interpret it and the the one that goes out during the youth minister the youth ministry treat is i'm not going to go over but that usually when we talk about over is one of the impacts that they like because you have some single person sharing and everyone is listening and it just overwhelms like wow that you know as they would say back then that was deep and again then they come into another the confirmation retreat they experience something else and it just like well what do i compare to that one in youth ministry or this one here you know they do the comparison but it's the way that each single person that goes to the program interprets it and how it affects them and the way that it, it affects them you know it touches them where it's waiting to explode and it it comes out and you know just seeing them with a smile you know the, the explosion of their what's been being held back inside of their faith that they're trying to hold on and it just releases kind of get a re, like a relief of wow okay I, this is how this is what this is supposed to be experienced and you know as you said like you know someday the within the three of us you know we're not going to be able to continue teaching and hopefully we have predecessors or people in our confirmation class that are going to continue on what we're doing right now so it's just a, a different interpretation doing the same thing that's how i i see what what go, is going on through this program you know one of one of the things i appreciate what you just talked about jeffy was comparison um you know, I, I've heard it in the past and it's, it's always, I'll, I'll admit, it's always rubbed me raw a little bit is when people say, oh, Emmaus isn't like it used to be. Um, and I've, I've kind of grown into the common response of that is said, no, it's not. It's exactly what, what it's supposed to be right now. You know, the idea that, you know, don't, don't be the same every year, be better. You know, and I, I think that there's a lot of truth to that because you can say the same thing about church. You know, mass isn't exactly like it was when I was growing up as a little kid because I had to, I had to learn Latin. That didn't last long. Um, and I'm thankful for that. <laughs> but um, no, the idea that we are who we are now, we don't, we don't, we evolve and we and we grow, but it doesn't. We don't live in the past. You know, the idea of living in the present um, impels us to move to the future. But if you just stay in the past, the present passes us by. So you know, we don't have that opportunity. I think one of the things I was like reflecting on as everyone was sharing was how even through the different generations that have gone through the program, it feels like there's this connectedness that we all share and something that's always been something I look forward to in hearing the stories, sharing like different memories, especially with um, maybe the different ways that a retreat made an impact on a young person's life, whether it's learning about the relationships and um, or learning about like the gifts of the Holy Spirit, like Honestly, when I was going through confirmation, I didn't even really understand what all that meant. And then being able to later on become like a sponsor, a godparent, and being a part of that um, uniqueness too, like in growing that bond and helping other people grow in their faith um, was something that I felt like is something to be passed on and shared. Um, and then they can then take that and share it in however ways that they can make those connections and transitioning into, you know, I think this is going to be like my favorite part of the episode where <laughs> we get to share memories um, about the program or anything and was unique to us because um, like Alfred mentioned, um, I am one of his former students and 
um, Tina was actually, uh, she's the youth minister at St. Joe's and my first Emmaus retreat, we, we used to call our group uh, St. Joanne. Yeah. So anytime we would have like LA Youth Day or when we're at youth rallies, we would have like a St. Joanne reunion and yeah. it, would, it would start off from the retreat and then um, connecting with Jeffy with even, I think he was like one of the first people to get me involved to become like a youth minister, a Eucharistic minister. And then we also started talking about coaching and we started like Battle of the Ministries, which was like a charity basketball game that, you know, we raised money for um, a retreat scholarship fund. And just having those little connections is like, whoa, like this is really cool. But I know it's also inspired other people to try and take what their gifts are and do something with it and invite others, kind of like how we're starting the podcast, how social media now like that's something that's a big thing so I guess um with everyone on this episode what are some of your your memories that you would like to share the memories as Jim said we're making memories now the most one that I do remember was um when we we would do our um well back then it was called team when we would do our the team retreat in Tahoe and I said but we, that's when we first did the, um, each person, the blind leading the blind, or I forgot the, I forgot what you call it, Jim, now. Well, well back trust activity. Of trust activity. activity. Yeah, yeah, see, another interpretation. So when I was um, a victim of blindness, something exploded. I had my eyes um, covered so I couldn't see. And part of the, our, part of the retreat was to, when we get our groceries, we go to, a local grocery store and get our supplies so where uh, there's my leader was supposed to lead me because i was blind so i couldn't see but my hearing amplified so big that i can hear a lot more than what i used to hear and as a joke we went into a 7-eleven and someone asked him, what happened to his eyes oh he was playing with fire and it got exploded and oh man he's okay I mean, I, I wanted to laugh, but he was, he kept a straight face and no, he'd be okay. Give him a few days. He'll be all right. So, you know, us doing that trust activity made me realize, you know, you lose one sense, another one in heightens. And that's, and I've seen again, how this trust activity evolved different interpretations again, again, through the, through the program. And I'm sure it's been a while since trust walks have been done. <laughs> I feel so much older than everyone. Um, memories are hard to come by. Um, you know, but it, in thinking about my experiences and being in Emmaus or, you know, moving on to being a confirmation teacher or in the rare times being able to do both, I remember always being trusted with uh, a teenager or a student who was struggling. Um, you know, there were times where Jim would ask me, can you have so-and-so in your small group? Like, you know, so-and-so in your class, um, you know, there were always, sometimes there was a, you know, a teenager um, or a young boy who, you know, they didn't want to be at youth ministry. And so they would always, you could always sense the resistance. Um, and even now, you know, there's always, I always, I'm not going to call them tricks, but, you know, there's always methods that I try to have, help them feel comfortable, you know, just try to get back on their level and learn more about them while trying to run the small group. Um, I remember that. Um, I also remember, you know, having young people in my small group on retreat or in class who were going through challenging times. I'll never forget uh, one of the youth ministry retreats, uh, you know, having a young lady whose father passed away because he was shot right out of the side of Logan. Um, you know, we all kept watch over her. And, you know, through our words and through our presence, we always wanted to make sure she knew that we her and we cared about her and we wanted her to be on retreat with us because I mean it wasn't long before retreat that that had happened mm -hmm. uh, and then <laughs> and then <laughs> Jim's gonna figure out who I want to talk about <laughs> go ahead um I expect this to come up Jim asked me to have a young man named Brian, <clears throat> Brian, in my confirmation class. And Brian had been diagnosed with leukemia. Um, you know, and he was a joy. We always 
There wasn't Zoom back then. There were no cell phones. Wait, did we have cell phones? No, there were no cell phones. Um, but we always tried to include him when he couldn't come to class. There were more times than not, um, he was absent. But we knew that we couldn't, we wouldn't count that against him. And mm -hmm. so, you know, my students and I would always try to include him. We would write him notes. Um, I remember on retreat, because he couldn't come on retreat, uh, we called him. You know, Jim and I called him to see how he was doing and to know that he was included on retreat. Um, and we did confirmation class projects back then. And I know our class, we would make uh, um, first communion gifts or small gifts for the first communion class. And so, uh, you know, we tried to include him. We said, you know, what do you want us to do um, for you, you know, to represent you in these gifts? And we did that. And then our class thought of actually making Brian a gift as well. So we were able to visit him, bring him back. Um, so my, the memories that started coming to me and listening to Jesse and then throughout this conversation weren't specific events, but were people. Um, you know, because we make those connections and we make the relationships and, you know, just all the things that we've done together as, as a man. I have a few things, so hopefully I'll just list them all off and Hopefully it won't take too long. Um, as far as the maze retreats, I remember hiking up Fernal Falls in Yosemite. I think we did that twice. Um, mm -hmm. And Yosemite is just a special place. And to be able to link uh, that with my memories of early, what is now called Emmaus is really special to me. Um, I remember doing an activity uh, where we were passing a ball of yarn and it ended up linking all of us. And so in, uh, as Jim does every time <laughs> in processing, uh, the visual of that, talking about how, um, you know, really just represented how we are all linked. And if one of us, you know, lets go and steps away, it, it means we, we, pull, we have to pull apart. Um, so I just remember uh, that making a big impression on me. Uh, Jeff said that that trust activity in Tahoe City in Lake Tahoe, um, you know, it's one thing to go, you know, get blindfolded and walk around the retreat center and that relative safely, safety, but to do it out in public uh, was a pretty awesome experience. It was, it was pretty special. Yeah. Uh, I remember Don Prater at early o'clock. Thank you, Arlene and Dinah. I'm still, still haven't made up for that lost sleep. Um, <laughs> memories from confirmation. Um, just the sharing that happens in every small group that I've been in. Um, you know, every small group starts maybe a little slow and you get to the level of sharing that by the time you get to Saturday, uh, some really great sharing happens. And it's always a special thing for me to appreciate. Um, I recall seeing some of my most challenging students after a certain activity during confirmation, literally running towards my teaching partner, not to me, but to my teaching partner for a hug and hours long heart to hearts. And uh, just seeing that they broke through whatever it was that, that had been challenging them. Um, and they usually would come around and be more involved and more engaged in our program after that. It was just a special memory. Um, being around long enough to see my former confirmation students go forth and do some pretty awesome things like start fundraisers, start a podcast, or come back and teach confirmation, um, or be involved in other ways is, is a really awesome thing to see. And, to see someone teach confirmation better than me is pretty awesome too. <laughs> um, and I mentioned it before, but youth math and confirmation retreat math, um, just there are times that I sit there and I, uh, I'm i just really awestruck, honestly, with, um, with how awesome it is and feeling the love that's in the room. And I really do feel like, um, I, I really hope that's what heaven's like in some regard. Um, because it would, it would be, I just feel like it, I'm hoping it's a taste of what heaven's gonna be like. Well, I would, I would echo many of those sentiments. Alfred and I had a conversation on a different topic yesterday, but we came to the realization, not a realization, we agree that, that God is love and anything that puts a separation into that um, is not of God. 
and and I I think that over the last year and a half, well, not a year and a half, it's only a year since this whole pandemic thing is. But I I guess I fall back to, you know, I, I've I've always loved retreat work. Um, if if there was one thing that I would uh, want to come back immediately, it would be the retreats because I think we've, you know, what have we missed out on now? Four, I believe. The spring, the Emmaus, the Confirm. Yeah. Is it four? Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I yearn for those young people to be able to have some type of retreat experience and hope with every hope in my cells that we can get back to Mission Springs in December and see what we can do about having a combined confirmation retreat. But I, I think it's those experiences where, you know, there's this aha moment. You know, this last Sunday, Father Gus talked about koinonia, the idea of love and community. But before you can have love and community of koinonia, you have to have metonia which is a conversion of, of heart, a conversion of spirit. And it's sometime, as Alfred said, it's sometime on the retreat where things begin to click. And that, that it's almost like God kind of pats you on the back and says, see, I told you. <laughs> um, and, and that's a very special thing to be able to see. So, you know, all the things over the years, and I, I know Tina, you spoke eloquently about Ryan and, um, you know, I, I, I think of the other young people that we've had that have passed, you know, I, I we, we went through with Zoe, um, you know, we went through it with Shane a few years ago, and um, even before that with Renee, with Heather. Um, so, you know, God puts us in positions of, of being able to touch other people in a way that they feel vulnerable. And if we can do that in a gentle way, in a loving way and say, you know, I, I guess the ultimate message I always wanna to try to make sure young people feel is to know that they are loved. Um, not only by all of us, but by God too. Talking about our memories also though, but the opportunity is that each of us have the ability and the wherewithal to continue giving and each of you are continuing to give. Um, Jeffy and Alfred, I'm blessed that both of you are still confirmation teachers um, and glowingly um, have a, a wonderful, wonderful effect on the young people in, in your classes and in our programs. Um, you know, Tina, you know how proud I am of you that, you know, going on to become a youth ministry coordinator in, in your own parish. And I think at this time, what are we, are we at 21 years, 22? 22 in August. Okay. Yeah. So congratulations on that. Um, it, it tends to go by rather quickly. Um, at other times, and I'll throw Joff, Father Joffrey under the bus, you know, it may seem like it's exhaustingly long, especially during certain songs, and you can have him listen to that. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, and then obviously, Stace, you're actively involved in, in the program right now and um, have such a, a keen vision for where we want to take this into the next into the future. Um, and I think all of that has, you know, Alfred and, and Jeffy and Tina have, have had an effect on who you are and, and had that opportunity. So for each of you, I, I guess my question would be, what is something that you would like to share to others or the young people in the program? Um, for me is, and I, I shared this to my, our, our class, last confirmation class was, um, being afraid, um, being re afraid of the rejection or like, but it the last, our last confirmation, the module, it talked about courage and just being, again, do not being afraid, be there at the moment, absorb 
Um, there was a reason why, again, as Jim said, you've been invited to. Um, there's something that someone saw in you that you can make a difference. And each of us has something that will touch someone to make a difference. And again, it shows through who everyone here in this podcast. And, you know, I wanted to mention with Tina, your the program out there in St. Joe's, you know, it's slowly starting to grow just like over here. So, I mean, that's a good thing there that there's people other than here in this parish that are willing to share and be a part of something that we have here. So, I mean, that's good that if there's something there, there's some, there's other places out there that can have something that we have. And that just to bring that, let everyone know that don't be afraid um, to, to listen to your faith. And the one thing I tell people in our class is God speaks to me through music. You know, we ask, always pray and ask for an answer right away, but we don't get that. And I usually get that through um, music verse or song when you least expect it. So again, uh, it's just, don't be afraid. Um, step into that door when it's open and uh, be amazed. I like that. I really do. I think for young people, you know, I always remind the young people at our parish in our peer ministry group, happily named a man, um, you know, to always be there for each other, to take care of each other. You know, they're role models of their faith. Um, so to show the teenagers who they have in group, whether you know, up until last year, whether it be in person or on Zoom, you know, show who you are, show how your faith is important to you. Um, you don't have to take the big steps in sharing your faith, you know, if it's scary or frightening, uh, but to take baby steps but to you know, be willing to do that um, because what you, you know, the effort you put in, you know, the results you get out of it, um, you know, and our faith sustains us. I always try to teach them that faith is a gift, it's a precious gift, um, and that it gets us through so many things and it brings us joy, it brings us happiness, it brings us blessing. Um, and it's there when we're struggling and it's there when we're having tough times. Um, and it brings us the people who we love the most. And it brings us people who will support us. Um, you know, and like Jim said, God is love. And so it brings us love. Um, and it brings us our faith. So I think, um, you know, to know that faith is important. And especially in these times during this pandemic, as much as we can to keep our faith close to us. Um, because it can uh, sustain us and it can nourish us. This is the thing I'd want to share with others is just to hammer home and reiterate the idea that you are special. Um, you are loved just the way that God made you. It's not the traits that you have. It's not what you can do on a basketball court or baseball field. It's not what colleges you get admitted to or the SAT scores that you have. You're, you're loved just exactly the way that God made you and God loves you. Um, and I think sometimes it's a hard message for people to receive. Um, I think I pointed out every time we do affirmation activities and retreat that you know, I, I try to remind people or point out to people like it's really easy to take a, a put down or a criticism or an area to improve. But it, I, I think our society, we're not conditioned to accept affirmations. We usually, you know, brush them off or yeah, whatever, or yeah, thanks. But um, I think I think we need to learn as a society to accept that we are loved and to, and to accept expressions um, that we are loved. Um, and the thing, third thing is um, we, the royal we, all of us um, here in the church uh, want you to be part of this. Um, I've been around long enough to see, especially seeing MAS grow over the years, that when we have more people in it and bring their energy and their talents, um, we just, it, 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 it becomes even more wondrous and more awesome thing to see. So uh, we want everyone to, to come and be a part of this. I think for me, um, 
just knowing that if I, what I learned was, you know, if I allow God to work through me, like, and be open to that, I felt like I've always just had blessings on blessings and blessings. And it's always inspired me to, to share those with others and help other people um, do the same. And I think it's a big part of the stuff that I felt like I received going through youth ministry confirmation and being a part of Emmaus and wanting to give back. Cause I could, I could go back and think of like just all the, the impactful people in my life and how they've um, shaped what my faith is and really helped me grow in my faith and my relationship with God. So I think the biggest thing is being open to that. And I think also understanding the word unconditional when it comes to loving others and supporting, like sometimes we get so caught up in, in drama or things that maybe prevent us from doing that. And Jim's been a huge part of helping me see that and how, you know, am I loving someone because it's on certain terms or am I really trying to mirror what God teaches us? And I think that's, that's been like a learning process, but also like just like something that I felt has made me become a better person. So I think we all grow and learn from all our experiences and it's definitely a, a great way for us to help people that might be like in similar situations and help them um, come out it better than maybe how we might've felt like we didn't, but when we survive it, like it just a testament of like what our faith is, what our strength is. Um, and yeah, so I do appreciate everyone that's on this episode and just hearing the, the stories and experiences. And honestly, like it's, it's really unique um, because even some of the things that I felt maybe were done earlier in Emmaus, it still continues too. And, and like Jeffy mentioned, just in maybe a different form, but it's all like the same in a way. Um, so as we wrap up this episode, it's, it is a tradition of us to have um, our guests or one of our guests lead us in closing prayer. And I believe it's Tina. So when you're ready, Tina, we'll invite, we'll let you invite everyone to join us in prayer. Leading prayer was uh, like pulling straw. <laughs> like I pulled along the short straw, but that's okay. I'm good. Um, so thank you for that opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity tonight to lead prayer. It's always one of my favorite things to do um, for youth ministry or confirmation or retreat. Yeah, if I could just do that, that'd be cool. <laughs> um, so you know, we'll, we enter the presence of our Lord and we remember that God is with us. And we begin our prayer together in one voice. In the name of the Father. Lord, we thank you for all the blessings that you give us. Thank you for our faith. We thank you for the courage to share our faith and live our faith. Thank you for the opportunity tonight to gather with friends for this podcast and to share stories and memories and experiences. We hope that everything we've shared tonight become inspiration, become something that young people can grow from. Lord, we thank you for Jim, for Stacy, for Alfred, for Jesse, for those who have supported us, and those who continue to support us, and for the lives that we are able. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father. I do want to mention one thing. Um, this this podcast will be released on Friday, I believe. Um, so I also want to assure and offer our prayers for stays for you and your family. As you know, as we're saying this now, that in two days you'll bury your grandmother. Um, when it comes out, 
it'll be the day afterwards. So I just want you to know that your prayer, our prayers are with you now and will continue to be after, after the funeral on Thursday. So thank you for, um, for your faith and for your leading your family through this time of, of grief and mourning in, in your lives. Thanks, Jim. Sure. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I know. <laughs> um, I forgot where I put my notes. Oh, there it is. Um, thank you for tuning in to our episode. New episodes are available Fridays at 2 p.m. on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We hope you enjoyed this episode, especially with our alumni, and we look forward to more alumni being able to share their own experiences. So we hope you have a blessed and safe week. Take care. Peace. Bye. Later.